0: Welcome to a very special episode of Ashes of the Imperium, a brand new 40k podcast. So as 8th edition hurtles towards us at the speed of an Astartes drop pod, join us as we explore this new version of the game in 8th edition. The galaxy's in flames, the enemies of mankind advance on terror, and there's a whole host of awesome new miniatures on the horizon, as well as the new rules. So... Reload your bolt rifle, sharpen your man reaper, or do whatever you need to do because 40k is back and it means business. My name is Dan and I will be your guide through the shattered remnants of the galaxy. And joining on me on our travels as we explore the
1: 41st millennium are my two fellow travellers, Ben. Hello. And Steve. Hi. How are you guys? I'm absolutely fantastic. Really excited to dive into 40k and um, really excited to start a new podcast as well.
2: Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be good going to be good looking forward to uh being on the podcast for a while so this is uh good to do it's a couple of good guys i know really well fantastic so um
0: this is obviously episode one and what we thought we'd do is we would do a little bit of an introduction about ourselves and, and what we're hoping to uh to bring to the podcast as well as obviously gush with enthusiasm about uh, about the new box and the new books that's uh that's currently in our in our in our power clause <laughs> so i'll start with myself uh, my name's Dan um, some of you may uh, have met me on the Age of Sigma scene I've been uh, massively into the Age of Sigma scene over the past uh, year or so 18 months uh, I also run a, an Age of Sigma podcast called Tales of Sigma but more importantly and more relevantly before that I was massively into 40k um, and like I probably I suspect some of you out there fell a little bit out of love with the, uh, with the game as it starts to get a little more complex and a little bit more cumbersome a little bit too cumbersome some might say um, so I'm really really excited to to, uh, to be involved in, a, in an eighth edition 40k podcast um, because it's the game that I grew up with as a kid. Uh, it's a, a lore that I love and uh, a really, really rich background, which you can base all sorts of ideas from, you know, heretic, heretic Astartes coming out of the warp for, a, for the first time or, or genes to the cults rising up on an imperium world. It's, it's just, there's so much to it. And it's, you know, the possibilities are endless. So I'm hoping to bring a little bit of that experience back into this podcast, uh, and hopefully make some comparisons between old and new, and where it's got better, and and where potentially you know it's it maybe hasn't. I can't wait to to get stuck in and start rolling some dice. What about yourself, Ben?
1: Yeah, so I know not a lot about 40k, <laughs> which might sound really weird to be on a 40k podcast. Um, however, I am super keen to get into the game. I've just over the last few years, it's. It's felt really weird to me that it's such a big game there's been so many models and so many just awesome things about 40k but from the UK community side it, it almost seemed a bit weird a bit fractured and there's been some big events um, but when you speak to the guys in the community they are spread out they don't really travel a lot to each of events. so this is the opinion I've formed from seeing it over the last few years and comparing that to what we have in Age of Sigmar now I'm not sure if it's because in Age of Sigmar, it's a smaller game, there's less players, people are forced to travel, so they got into the travel mentality a long time ago. Um, I don't know, it just seemed a bit odd. So what I'm hoping to do with my input into this is get into the game, learn a lot more about it, paint some awesome new models, um, but also I'm really interested in getting our club up to a really, a really high level of 40k playing, because some weeks we have... 20 i think one week we had as many as 30 people playing age of sigma on a club night and i'd love to see that for 40k in the derby area as well so this is kind of one of my aims and goals with getting into the podcast learning the game helping to grow my local scene and hopefully that might have some impact on the wider scene as well you know getting other podcasters um, in 40k i know there's a lot popping up at the moment um doing more club stuff running events and Maybe there's a lot of that out there already, and I just I didn't know about it because I'm not in those scenes. But I certainly would like to learn about that, and that's definitely the community side is one of my main motivations for getting into this, and it's one one of the things I'm looking forward to the most.
0: Yeah, definitely, and that's something that I think we've seen from the AOS scene is that it is a really close knit bunch of guys, but uh, guys and girls, and it's not a, but it's not a cliquey thing. It's you know, if if you are new to it, it's very welcoming as well. What about yourself, Steve?
2: Uh, I mean, people may know me from doing Age of Sigmar. Um, I kind of enjoy doing the narrative-themed armies and big terrain projects um, that will bring together sort of story and background. Um, for me, 40K is something I've, I've always dabbled with. Um, the main group of people I game with are not big players. Uh, my local club plays. But they tend to play uh, kind of min-max highly-tuned competitive, um, which is not my thing. Uh, they're nice people, Is so, and it's absolutely a, you know, a way to play the game. But as you mentioned, Dan, it, uh, I think it got a bit top-heavy, and there was lots of options, um, and all of those became a little bit kind of auto-win sometimes. So for me, this new edition is, is brilliant. And, and, and as a theme narrative player, you know, there's so much... Background, there's so many factions, there's so many even sub uh, clans within clans, uh, there's, there's so many books, it's, it's so rich that for me uh, to have a new system to come back to is, you know, just spot on.
0: Fantastic. And actually, I think that's an important point. You know, we spoke a little bit about narrative games and we both mentioned the competitive side and Ben talked about club gaming. And I think that's something that that we want to represent in uh, in this podcast is that there are there are now three ways to play. And we're going to embrace that fully. We're going to we're going to cover big, big 40K tournaments, hopefully in the UK, as well as local club games and and maybe some narrative campaigns. And we're hoping to, to be a a a broad church, let's say. Because that's one of the fantastic things about 40k is that you can cruise up to a local club with, with a, a small 500-point army or something, or, or whatever the equivalent is these days. Um, or you can take a 2,000-point, utterly tuned, competitive list to, to an event. And, and hopefully, 8th Edition will be able to uh, bring that all under one banner rather than, certainly from my experience down, down my local club um, when I used to see 40k gamers, it was very, very focused towards the competitive element.
2: Yeah, and I, and I think for me, it's great that Games Workshop have kind of given what I enjoyed about old 40k and look forward to the new one, is they've given it a name now. So I, it's not just Steve and his mad fluffy stuff, it's it's, it's a way to play. And I think um, it was always there um, and there was a group of friends I had played with and you know we, would, we tended to sort of go towards the kill team, the smaller game size stuff. Um, because we, it just suited our style of play because we wanted to string a lot of smaller games together over a day or a weekend rather than do the big APOC games. But, I mean, they're massive spectacles as well. I've never really played them, but you see them at Warhammer World a lot, and, you know, it's door-to-door tanks. Anything with more tanks in it is, is good in my book, to be honest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. You know, these uh, these Primaris mar- marines um, actually... I'm trying to stick one together now while we're chatting and you know just an army of them <laughs> I think that's going to do it for me.
0: Yeah, they're they're such stunning miniatures and, and you know w- although the uh, the reception on the uh, the wonderful world of the internet seemed to be a little bit mixed I, I can't you know they're just they're just so cool. I'm getting really really excited about sticking mine together. We're lucky enough to receive a receiver box from Games Workshop and uh, to be honest I've not even I've not even broken the purity seal that holds the mo- uh, models together. I've just been poring over the rule books.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I'm a, I'm quite the opposite. I've um, not been so interested in what the rules are because that side of it didn't didn't really matter to me as much. I've dived straight in with the the models and the box and just looking looking at the pictures in the rulebook and looking at some of the not so much the backstory because I'm I'm vaguely aware of the the overriding forty k storyline. Just like the the pushed forward in it. I know in a lot of the age of sigma books they added. Each new t- each time a new book came out, there was like the timeline move a few years. So just catching up on recent 40k history was quite cool.
0: Yeah, definitely, and I think that's something we uh, we might look to do in a future episode is is do a bit of a uh, what's new on from the uh, from the actual core narrative of the game, including uh, what happened in the uh, Gathering Storm campaign.
2: Yeah, yes. I think that's a great way for people to just kind of catch up, and especially if they're the likes of Ben and perhaps me. I mean, I'm, I've not. Uh, read all the gathering storm books. so yeah uh, i'm aware of what's going on um, and there is a catch-up in the big rule book which is great um, but all of these things will influence the new armies that are going to come out that we're going to see so even with the reason why you know the death guard are here which are in the starter set
0: yeah exactly and if you're for example if you've got a load of cadian models and you're thinking well my world's exploded what do i do with them then there's an army there for you, you know, the orphans of Cadia, or maybe they're a splinter fleet that didn't quite make it to the world in time. No models need to go on the bonfire.
1: <laughs> Not this time around. Not this time around. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll
0: stay away from the AOS in-jokes.
1: <laughs> so one of the, one of the things that I hope will be really cool about the podcast. Um, I think the three of us together have got a, quite a, a dynamic between, as you've already said, the, the three types to play, three ways to play. Um, but I imagine there's a lot of players out there who are 40K curious, you know, they've, they've maybe not played for a long time, want a, a way back in, um, diving into some of the you know the great 40K podcasts and, you know, their 200-odd episodes. It, it might be a bit daunting for them, but getting into a podcast like this, which is new starting with the new edition, um, and including players who are getting into it again and picking it up again, and even yourself, Dan, who's a lot more experienced with it, than then um, myself and Steve, I think people are going to get a lot from that. Hopefully people will take a lot from our podcast on that side of the thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I see it as a, uh, you know, with three different start points or, or resume points in, in the uh, in the game. Um, and hopefully the listeners will be able to associate with, with that, you know, whether they're brand new to 40K like yourself or like Steve you know, coming back to it, having dabbled a while ago or myself having having lost lost the love of the game and, and looking for a reason to jump back in. So uh, hopefully it will be a journey that uh, we can all enjoy together and certainly that, we you know, we'll obviously we'll mention Twitter at the end and we'll hope to get a, a thriving 40K Twitter scene because that's something that has been, I think, lacking is, 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 is that kind of community on Twitter, at least. You know, there's a lot of Facebook groups, but, you know, I personally don't use facebook a huge amount um and facebook groups can be a bit funny at times so you know at the end of the day it's all about awesome models and get, getting good games in and sharing that with the rest of the, the gamers like like ourselves and other people
1: yeah for sure so
0: ben what are you what are you most excited about
1: well i don't know you know um just playing some games i think um as it, if it's, you're talking about models and armies and rules um i'm really looking forward to picking up ultramarines they were the army that I played way back in when I first got into Warhammer, and um, I I started with Ultramarines in like the mid mid to early nineties, um, and then quickly went into into Dark Elves in Warhammer and um, never looked back really. So. I've straight away gone. Well, I quite fancy going back with the Ultramarines. I was at Warhammer Fest at the weekend. I saw the the new Dreadnought for the um, the Space Marines and in the Ultramarine colours looked fantastic. So I think that's what I'm going to go with. Um, quite excited about that. I think I'm just going to do Primaris. I, I don't know if if that's viable or an option. I'm sure it will be. Um, otherwise, they wouldn't all be in the starter set with nothing else. But I'll get into that as I learn more about them and read more up on them. Um, but I'm going to start with start with the models at the starter set. I might um, even see if I can do a swap with someone and swap out my Death Guard for more of them. So I've got a, it'll be a really good force to start off with. Then I think. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of the routine I'm going to go and the, that's the the thing I'm looking forward to is uh, getting some paint on some models and playing some games down the club as well. I think we're going to get some some small battles in. We've we've got a really good AOS scene which. Are um, regular tournaments of, like, 700-point level where you can play three games in an evening on a club night. And I think um, twisting that over to 40K to get new people in and to um, get the people who are curious just to play some games. And the other thing is if you're playing three games in an evening, it's really cool that you, you don't just play one game against one army and think, oh, that wasn't very much fun. Because, you know, any, you can always have a bad game against anyone with anything. Um, whereas if you play three in an evening, you get to see a real good spread, and it gives you a a lot more instant feedback on what you like about the game, what you dislike.
0: Yeah, definitely, and it's um quite often you uh, you can chase the chase your shots really. You know, if if you play a, play a list that you that's new, and it goes really really badly, it's almost tempting to spend the next week before the next club game changing your list and thinking what went where, what went badly and why. Whereas if you play three games in a row, then you've actually got a little bit more. A little bit more experience with the army, if, if you know, if you're looking to fine tune it.
1: Yeah, for sure. What about yourself,
0: Steve? What are you? Uh, what are you most excited about?
2: I think for me, um, what drew me to 40k um, when I came back to gaming about uh, seven or eight years ago was the fact that the armies are so different and they play so different. And for one of those, for me, was like, I came back playing Tau, and their character of being. High tech, lots of gadgets, buffs, combos that you needed to make them work. Um, for me, gave them lots of character and made them play very differently. What I like about the new system is that we're going to get them back, but without as being as complicated. They just got so heavy, and um, playing a game, especially when you had a specialist army, so not on like a mixed force. You have a specialist army, you know. You, you could not do anything for about 45 minutes while the other person was just going through all this, they have to do that, and then they have to die this, they have to check this other table, and that's in a different book. And And I think for me, faster games, simpler games. And I think it got exposed more when I obviously went from 8th edition to Age of Sigmar, and the speed at which that, that can play. Now, you can still you know, the bigger games, and then you start having times of war, you start having, you know, the battle plans can change. It can soon be as deep in its tactical choices and your theme choices and what you bring to the game. But ultimately, the core set of rules is simple. I don't need to read a book to understand all of your war scrolls. Your war scrolls will tell me what you're doing. And in the same way, data sheets will do the same. So for me, Still to be able to get the depth of the armies the complexity of their nuances and their flavor Onto the tabletop, but without all that extra heavy paperwork and rule book clicking Definitely. Just, I mean, It's just it's just all good.
0: Yeah, the game is the game is simple to play But the game itself
2: is complex. Yeah, and 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 for me just looking through the book I've not read it. I even just got it but looking through the book and seeing we have missions battle plans we have stratagems we have these these extra layers to go in there that we know that are going to make the difference from one game to the next how you run them are you battle forged, are you not all of those things are like options for you to do and yet we've still got a little concertina folded piece of card that just tells us what we're going to be doing for like 95% of the time we play on the tape.
0: And the cool thing is that the, you know, if you look in the advanced rules that all the planet strike stuff and the, uh, you know, city fight, you can, you can go in at whatever level you want. If you, if you are, if you just want to see how the game plays at a simple level, then you can do that. But as soon as you've got that, get those basics wrapped around, then you can, you can jump in with some of the complex stuff and you can make it as deep and rich as you like, or you can just do a quick fire, small, small points game.
2: Yeah, I think for me that's another thing I'm excited to explore is, you know, what is a practical small points game, you know. Um, Got Shadow War, obviously, which is the more skirmish and obviously it's a different system. But, you know, if we could see 500 points, old money to new. I don't know how the exchange rate has gone. But I think, you know, sort of (laughs) 500 points, 750, that would be great because that goes back to what Ben was saying, that, yeah, two, three quick games on a 4 by 4 Using a battle plan that's you know really fine-tuned a mission that's fine-tuned, we know what we're doing. Um, yeah, that that would be a, that'd be a great evening's gaming. I just yeah look forward to it.
1: Do you think the uh, the post Brexit forty k points might have had a, an exchange rate here? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Depends how the negotiations go, really, doesn't
0: it? <laughs> Absolutely. Let's uh, let's stay away from politics. I think the new edition of Forty K is uh, controversial enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, for myself, certainly, it's uh, it's really really refreshing to see that uh, all the books are out and all the rules are out immediately. You know, for, in AOS we had to wait for the Grand Alliance books, Chaos, Death, Destruction, Order. Whereas now we've got all the uh, all the indexes, and uh, and just having those. One's fingertips immediately. It just it's you know I've got a few armies that are sat on the shelves, and I'm just now flicking through all the rules for them and trying to work out which one I want to use first. Yeah, I, I can see it.
1: that. I mean, the <laughs> when Age of Sigma came and all the War Scrolls were there, but there's no points. It was just like what. <laughs> but now with the forty K version um and the fact that the, you get the Death Guard and the Primaris rules in the box in a totally separate little booklet, which I thought was quite cool. Um, yeah, there's a lot to dig into. It's gonna be it's gonna be great seeing the sort of list that people are coming out with.
2: Yeah, I um, I I've, I've got uh, an army I almost sold recently, um, and then it, with the tip off, uh, Adepticon uh, about Death Guard coming, I uh, swiftly put them back in the cupboard uh, rather than in the to sell box. And um, so yeah, and, and and I think for me the other thing is there's models in there that I probably didn't use very much and with the new rules and the n- the new data sheets uh, they might do different things in different ways and you, you, we just don't know until we put them on the table and throw some dice at it yeah just it's like having a
0: whole new army again isn't it because because everything does does different things and and those those models that you know that, that weren't any good before now and now might be better or or in fact they might combo in different ways and in fact like discovering that and learning that is is quite a good fun uh Good fun journey in the hobby.
1: Yeah, from my point of view, it's it's really weird because I want to get an army together. I want to play some games. I'm a, a competitive guy by nature, but I know nothing about the game. Not only do I know nothing about the game, but neither does everyone else, but they've got a head start because they know 7th edition really well. So it's going to be really interesting to see, right, I'm going to play a few games with a box set and then think about what I need to add. How does it feel? Do I, need some, um, do I need some armor? Do I need some more big guns? Do I need some more just maybe just adding basic space marines might be a good option. Um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting working out as I go along and trying to build an army into what works rather than... I mean, let's be fair, I'll probably just go on the internet and <laughs> download a net list. Um, but no, I'm I'm looking forward to trying to just film my way around it and seeing what, what works and a different way of army building maybe rather than with my um, previous competitive armies. I'm like, right, what's the most efficient combo I can get and, and fit in and what can I switch around? Whereas this time it's going to be more focused. I think it's going to be more focused on the models as what looks cool and then um sort of secondaries once i've played with those models what's the army lacking and what do i feel like what sort of style of play unit needs to enhance the army and i think um i think we'll see a lot of uh starter
0: set plus previous space re armies and each uh different space marine army that the that, that supplemented will will have come from a different you know it might be a bike army it might be an iron hands you know foot slogging or, or you know it might be blood angels or something like that and actually even just adding the same few models to a different to a space marine army because space marine armies could be so vastly different uh it will play in a different way and i think that's quite cool yeah for sure so i suppose uh ben you talked about the the box set itself um what what a box! I mean, it even says it's the ultimate 40k box set.
1: Yeah, and so I think
0: it is. It's amazing.
1: <laughs> I, I definitely agree with that. It's just um, opening it up was an experience. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, just just physically opening the box was amazing. You know, it's, it's, you slide it out one way, it's got the Death Guard head, and you slide it out the other, it's got the uh, the, the Astartes head, uh, and it's just it's just well presented and well put together yeah i think for
2: me it's just, it's just the weight of it as well you just kind of go okay i'm, I'm getting a lot in here uh, and i think for me uh, you know a big standout um, and i'm old school because i like my books i've got i have got computers and i have got ipads uh but the hardback rule book um just sat in the center of that that presentation is just glorious and i think you know putting that in that set uh, as a hardback as a saying this is key this isn't just a reference in here this is key you need this to to enjoy the game and i think and still keeping it at the price point it's at i mean it's just fantastic
0: yeah this is this is an absolute well it's a complete first isn't it it's the first time book that size um well since the first time in a long time let's say i suppose second edition when you used to get the uh the three the three softback a4 books
2: yeah you're before my time
0: mate <laughs> <laughs> well back in second edition you did have something similar but it was you know three big softback books and i think since then they've they've started to uh to cut down out uh, probably maybe an edition or so out but but yeah certainly getting this book in the uh, you know i've got it in front of me now and it's just it, it's the full shebang it's not just a uh, an a5 uh softback small one with with no rules it's got or or, or no uh, background it's got it's got countless pages of, uh, of background and the the basic rules, and the advanced rules.
1: Yeah, it's pretty epic. What What gets me is not only have you got that awesome rule book and all the rest of the cool stuff in there, um, just the sheer amount of really awesome artwork in the whole, just in all of it, from I'm holding the Death Guard book at the moment, and just flicking through that, every page has got awesome stuff on it, um, miniatures, artwork, rules, everything. But even just going to the box itself, and you know the, the outside sleeve with the, the main art on the front, um All the models you see on the back, and then the kind of the first inner sleeve, like you said, with the death guard heads and it 's like every every part of every bit of this dark Imperium box has just been made awesome it 's like it 's almost like someone's sat and gone like right, let 's take every aspect of this this kit and make it amazing. What would we need to do to make it the best thing ever and even down to um previously when you buy a games workshop starter kit. And you get the dice in it, and they're little white ten mil D sixes. Well, these are big chunky, like crystal effect, big red dice, which is totally different to what anything they've done before. It's just everything has been just turned up a notch, and it's really cool. It feels like a
0: really premium product, doesn't it?
1: Yes, for sure.
0: And uh, definitely, definitely agree with you on the uh, the art front. There, I, I, you know, I'm just flicking through it at, you know, right now, and just. Oh, there's a, there's a few amazing double page spreads you know with with color all the way to the edge and it's just it it's it's a stunning book and the art the artwork of 40k is something that's always been quite an inspiration you know sometimes i you know I've started armies but based off based off one image and uh to have such kind of evocative and, and really inspiring art in the rule book as soon as you get the box is is a cool way to get people thinking you know whilst they put together their primaris marines and death guard hmm, what's next what army am I going to do
2: and I think, for me, there's um, some really, the battle scenes for the actual miniatures, photos of the models themselves, the battle scenes that are in here, I mean, they're obviously all influenced by the work and progress that's been made from the art. So even those, you know, you just look at those and they're like, wow, you know, use of smoke, use of colour, you know, they almost become art in themselves. So, I mean, for me, who, someone who's looking to recreate these art builds, yeah, the the, the pictures are just huge fantastic source of materials
0: you're right you're right steve it's just uh you know whether it's whether it's the graphic art or the uh the sort of the photo art or uh, or pictures of the models themselves very very cool so uh on on armies and on models steve uh,
2: what uh what's new What what's on the horizon for you so i think for me uh my thoughts were well it's a new rule set so rather than use something that I know already. And you kind of end up with that syndrome of like, well, this, I know this did this before, I'm gonna try and use it for the new, the new rules I've gone, you know, new rule set, new army. And it's one I've never done before. So um, I fancy doing orcs. Um, I, I also thought, well, uh, as I don't know how they work, I don't know how they run under the new rules. I'm just gonna like Ben very much. I'm gonna pick what I like, make that, and that will be the core of where I start. And then the rules and the games I play will decide what gets added. So for me, um, I've decided to go robots because everybody loves robots. So it's Killer Cans, it's Dreads, and then I've currently got a Mega Dread from Forge World. Um, But already I can see myself eyeing up a -a Gorkamorka or for uh, adding one of those in as well. But for me, it's, but I think the other nice thing is because it seems so simple just to pick up a book and index within a few pages, you've got all you need. I have got some towel left that I haven't sold on. I've got sort of a um, stealth, um, Shadow Sun, stealth suits, uh, stealth drones, Tetras, so I've got a little combination there, I mean that's ready to play um, I've got Death Guard Plague Marines and Renegades which was an unfinished project so that's good to go and then I've also got a few Seal Cult that only needs probably a couple of boxes to be playable
1: so that's a very very exciting Army Seal Cult only a couple yeah. of boxes, aren't they going to be a thousand boxes <laughs> <laughs>
2: um well i've got the um what's the box set is it overkill
0: death watch overkill
2: yeah so I, I got that and split the death watch with a mate then i already got some conversions i've done myself plus a couple of the old metals not the um not the big gc leader unfortunately that goes for quite a lot these days um so, yeah, again, I'm, I think for me, I'm going to you know, just go in slowly and get 500, 750, maybe 1,000 points, and then I'm loving it. You know, the people I'm playing, it all makes sense, and we're, and it's it's good fun, then, yeah, absolutely, Ben, and there's no reason why I wouldn't expand that out.
0: And uh, you mentioned maybe getting a Gorkonaut or a Morkonaut. What about a Stomper?
2: Yes. Uh, for me, the aesthetic of those... Um,
0: because they're pretty good.
2: Yes, yes. I've tried not to look at the rules, but yes. Um, yeah, I, I think so. I, I think for me, it, it will come uh, whether I want to put some legs on it or not. I don't know, or, or raise its skirt a little bit so we see a bit more of the feet. Um, I have been raising the legs on the killer cans, so they're not quite so squat. Um, but yeah, I think I ease myself into that. But yeah, I. I if you look at any of my of sigma armies i love a big centerpiece you know whether it's a dred saurian or a, a giant crocodile riding an even bigger crocodile so i think i think it, it will come but I'm, I'm trying to finish what i've got first so it's
0: okay. only a matter of time mate once you've been bitten by a mech bug <laughs> you know yeah it's only a matter of time yeah
2: smell the oil
0: i think orcs are one of those really cool armies that they're, they're so different yeah, depending on like i said about the space Marine armies before you can have four orc players in the same hobby in the same games room and uh they've all got different armies you've got speed freaks you've got dread mob like yourself you can have uh like Wing, spelled d-e-f-f obviously Wing. you know with mega armored knobs and oh there's just there's just so much and certainly uh it's definitely a uh a project for me on the horizon but i'm i'm famous for having self uh self-control and restraint so i'll just <laughs> Yes. Oh dear. What about yourself, Ben? Apart from uh, apart from the Primaris Marines, is there anything on the horizon for you, hobby-wise?
1: No, I think I think I'm just going to do those guys. Um, when I when I picked up Stormcast in Age of Sigmar, one of the reasons I went with them was because I knew they'd be released regularly. Having played Chaos Dwarfs for a few years, and I imagine any 40k, I don't know, Sisters of Battle and Dark Eldar players might. Identify with this way. You can go years waiting for some releases. So, if you jump on with the biggest and the best post, a, post a child of Games Workshop, then you know you're going to be getting the models regularly. You know, every six to nine months there'll be a new box set out or a new book or something for your army. So, do we think the uh, the first codex to be released is going to be Ultramarines or or even just a I you know you almost if you was a betting man you'd put your mortgage on it, wouldn't you? <laughs>
2: You wouldn't get very good odds, I don't think.
1: (laughs) Followed swiftly by Death Guard.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we've we've seen the um, Angel of Death teaser video, so... Oh my God, it's going to be so good. (laughs) Yeah, I mean,
1: just... I got very, very excited when
2: Magnus came out. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, seeing that model in the flesh will probably make me
1: start a full Death Guard army. Yeah. And this is the problem. <laughs> Doing this for two, two game systems. <laughs> oh dear,
0: yeah, absolutely. Going to have to uh, get a new credit card. So maybe Ben, I'll take you up on the, swapping those Death Guard out, so I've got a double Death Guard.
1: You know what, the more I look at them, the more I'm like, oh, the Marines are great, maybe I should do Death Guard. <laughs> maybe maybe ha- hang on to them then, hang on to them just in case. When Mortarian arrives, you're going to want to do it. One of the things I am thinking is if I paint up both sides of it, it's kind of an intro army for any new guys down the club. So if someone's wanting to pick up forty k um, and wants to just turn up on a club night and play a game, and um, I can have the the starter set ready to go. I'm not not really sure how many points it is. I thought um, weirdly, I thought that might have been like a common thing online by now, but I've not noticed it anywhere of people saying how many points it actually comes into. Um, so. Uh, maybe you know, add a couple of units to each side, and it might be a nice club night army for people.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like the the same way Games Workshop runs its intro games with the uh, the starter
1: sets. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Excellent. So, uh, well, we've covered models and art and gaming and projects. What about what about the narrative? So, there's a you'll have noticed by now that the universe has been torn apart by a huge warp rift, the uh, Circuitrix Maledictum, um, as as one of its names. Um, what do you think this means for the 40k background? And, and now I, I know you guys uh, might not necessarily be as read into the uh, 40k background as uh, as other people, but based off what you know, Steve, what do you think?
2: I think for me, it, it's um, it, it's just a, it's it's just a way of shaking everything up. I think for me, you know, we've had the Eye of Terror, and now suddenly, you know, we've got these other storms, we've got these other. Uh, you know, places and you know, and we've suddenly got a load more narratives. We've got places that have been hidden behind the um, hidden behind this big rift through the galaxy. Um, and the, the, you know, this the little bit I've read is that you know, we're now kicking off in the fact that some of the storm has relented, and the astropaths are getting you know, readings back, and they you know, we, we've been making some connections. And this is why we've got this new crusade to go out and. And and you know recapture the losses that have been there, but I think for me is you know this is this is if you see the maps and the maps are another really good example, it's some great art, you know the star maps and stuff. You can look at that and you can go, yeah, that's pretty serious. You know, a bit of an eye of terror, wormhole in space. We can all imagine that, but this is this is huge. Um, and I think mankind really is under a lot of pressure to to deal with it. And I think the other thing is obviously what we see in the other xenos races taking advantage of that. Um, we already know the Tau have got a new expansion that they that they're using. You know all this um, upheaval in the Imperium. So I think for me, it's just so many opportunities now to rescue a planet, discover a planet that's been hidden behind this rift, and what's there. You know, it, it was a hive world. Oops! Now it's full of Genestealer Cult. So, yeah, I think for me, it's a it's a great way to kickstart the new system.
0: Yeah, and and regardless of what army you collect or collected or want to start collecting, um, there's something in there for everyone, as you say. You know, Towered making making moves in the fifth expansion. You've got new Necron dynasties. Tyranids are always adapting and evolving. Orcs obviously up for a scrap wherever they go, and there's little Orky grins around around the galaxy everywhere. So yeah, it's uh, it's definitely definitely something there for everyone. What about what about you, Ben? Based off what what you know about the uh, 40k universe?
1: All I know at the moment is I've I've lost a backpack off Primaris Marine, and <laughs> I'm losing my mind. <laughs> um, you're gonna you're gonna have to
0: get a new box then.
1: I know, I know, it's killing me. <laughs> it'll be it'll be around somewhere. Um, I've read this is actually some of the few bits I have read recently because I got open the. The, the new rule book, and it's kind of the first first 20 or so pages which is setting the scene, showing the lay of the land and talking about the how the how the galaxy sits at the moment. And it's really interesting how there's a couple of paragraphs on each of the, the major factions and major players in the war or wars. And one thing I really thought they did well is kind of advancing the clock and bringing the storyline forward, taking it to the next level... Um, doing it in such a way where they can have i think they said something to the effect of the front lines everywhere now there's no safe place there's no there's no terror being behind millions of light years of of barricades and um defense planets and things like that it's they can be under attack anywhere at any time and this is a really cool way of kind of doing what they did with edge of sigmar with the, the the realms and the Realm Gates and the travel between the realms and things like that. And um yeah, it's it's really cool. Re- just a great way of doing it. And I'm I'm really looking forward to how and how the story evolves more. And I, I hope it does. I hope like a couple of the books come out and it really cranks that storyline forward. Um as that, you know, over the next twelve months it, it rockets through um kind of the next phase of the story. Um, rather than just sitting here for the next, um, I don't know, five or six years until the next edition comes.
0: Yeah, I think I think you'll see some narrative developments in the same way that we've seen and in, in, in AOS with uh, with campaign books. Certainly, you know, you've got some pretty key planets on the uh, the wrong side of the rift. For example, Bale, the uh, the uh, Blood Angels' home hometown. Uh, you've got Valhalla, <laughs> obviously, and Mordian. Uh, where some uh, Imperial Guard or Astro Militarum regiments are from. So yeah, some pretty significant uh, areas that are uh, the wrong side of the Rift. It's not a place I'd like to be.
1: I'm looking forward to seeing, um, and we talked about this off-air a bit, uh, where all the Primarchs are. Because <laughs> those we thought were dead are not, Um those we uh, know are dead may not be, and those we assume are alive uh, might not be, and everything's... Everything's fair game, I think, with the story arcs coming forward. So it's going to be really cool to see what happens there, and um, there's some obviously amazing opportunities for some just mind-blowing models. So it seems like any reason or any story where they could um, bring a Primark back into action, it it's almost like it's we wait. Everyone's waiting for it, aren't they?
0: Yeah. Although as a Blood Angels player, I'm uh, I'm not quite sure whether it's possible to bring Sanguinius back.
1: <laughs> uh you never know. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> These vampires, um, you can never kill one. You yeah, can never keep oh God, them down. No. Uh, I'm not quite sure I want to see that, although the model would be amazing.
0: Um, on models as well, I think um, it's also a fantastic opportunity to see cool new models for big characters. So, Gasgall Thraka, the Orc Warlord.
1: Abaddon as could, well.
0: Yeah, I could definitely see a big, massive, orc-y hero model coming out in plastic that would be really cool are there any any characters steve that you'd like to see new uh new renditions of
2: yeah i think obviously mortarium has been on my list since i started the um my plague army undead like uh, death guard army so but i think for me what's exciting is you know what we saw happen with the the triumvirate books that they released just before this is that you know hopefully they sold well because i'd love to see that ability that we get a big chunk big piece of pie of narrative three or two or three whatever key characters that you then add to your army and the fact that they're going to be able to bring you know command points new abilities new ways to buff your army to play in a different way for me that just sounds perfect
0: yeah absolutely and uh Games Workshop's already said they're going to look to adapt the points and change things and you know, mix things up. If if one model starts to dominate or one army isn't doing too well, they'll just change it. And they can either do that by changing the points, or they could do it by introducing a new model with a new a new data slate.
2: I don't think anyone, everyone would be super happy with that. I don't think anyone. Um, the speed at which things can get changed, I don't know if we're going to have an app, but it feels like. It should be one for the especially for the um more nuanced granular point system where you're down to individual models and the equipment they carry um so yeah the ability to just you know tweak that uh, and the speed at which they can do it has been proved with um a sigma so it, it's all sunny
0: it's all good so all in all it's sounding amazing that's that's one thing i'm taking away from this and you know the build-up's been really cool. The engagement with the community's been fantastic. You know, the response to silly things like, you know, people taking pictures of things out of a dustbin, things like that, even before, you know, getting a Magnus video up within, within an hour or so. I just think this, you know, New Games Workshop, this is 8th edition 40k, but this is also 8th edition Games Workshop. You know, they are absolutely smashing it. And I'm just, I think it's such a good time to be a hobbyist and certainly such a good time to be a 40k player.
1: It almost feels like 1st edition 40k, doesn't it? It's like a total reboot, new new 40k, uh, new Games Workshop, starting again and then um, going from there. Yeah, absolutely. It's a fresh start, it's a new
0: beginning and uh, it's just going to be amazing.
2: Yeah, I, I think for me, that, that just to be able to get those models out, which I love, get them add to them... Um, build new terrain i mean just new terrain that's getting made as well it's just fantastic it's- oh that yeah it's so good. the sector Mechanica stuff is yeah and also if you
0: follow the uh the follow the designer on twitter he keeps on leaking all these little like easter eggs like oh actually this part's designed to fit backwards with this part blah 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 and it just makes you want to well clearly it makes you want to buy more terrain maybe that's the plan but it, you know the uh, the Promethean fuel pipes pu- c- uh, click into here, and this does that. And then if you buy two of these cranes, they do this. Oh, it's just yeah,
1: super cool. If you can yeah. buy the cranes, right? <laughs> oh
2: yeah.
1: Are
0: They're they still- flying? Are they flying off the shelves? Are they? <laughs> Been out of yeah.
2: stock for a while. Yeah,
1: can't make them quick enough.
2: <laughs> Everybody wants the uh, toolbox and the fire extinguisher add-on, don't they? You see those little two little is exactly. that what it's, it's all
1: about it's...
2: no, no <laughs> they they're the uh they're
0: the, new, the the new broken models you know the fire extinguisher that's they're the killing titans you just jam that into a titan's knee and it just goes down like the end exactly of jaws exactly
2: yeah, yeah.
0: Oh okay well before we overdose with a bit of 40k enthusiasm i think we'll uh, we'll jump across to uh to the final segment which is questions from twitter uh first of all you can follow us at uh, aoti 40k uh at aoti 40k that's ashes of the imperium 40k the, right exactly the, the the first letters of ashes of the imperium 40k uh twitter ran out of uh, letters so i had to cut it down but we'll start with the first one and the first one from gaz taylor at gaz underscore t a very serious question and i think one we, we probably need to answer first before we move on it's um what's your favorite biscuit
1: <laughs> oh dear this is very 40k um themed thank you gaz for sending it in uh mine's obviously um chocolate hobnob and that's, that's the only answer really
0: i'm gonna have to contradict you there and say custard creams
2: custard creams no you're all wrong chocolate digestive not dark chocolate your regular milk chocolate
1: do they digest- go do you put would you put them in the fridge? Yes, absolutely. Oh, what? Right, you need to speak to Martin, Marvin. (laughs) We had quite a to-do over biscuits in the fridge. (laughs) Who knew? Who knew that biscuits
0: could cause such controversy? But as we said, we said at the beginning, we're going to be a broad church. We're going to cover all three ways to play, and we're also going to cover custard creams and chocolate hobnobs. So, you know... There we go. So he also asked, uh, "What's the opinion on the leaks coming out now? Good or bad or spoiling things?" And that's the leaks from from uh, from other people, uh, not from Games Workshop. What are you, what are you guys' thoughts on that?
2: I think for me, they they kind of lost some of their importance that they used to have because you know New Games Workshop are preempting those. So. Yes, there are some leaks coming out and, uh, you know, I don't like spoilers. There will always be leaks. If anyone's passionate about anything, someone will leak something somewhere. Uh, but I think, for me, they, they've become less important because I'm more informed by the people that know.
1: What about yourself, Ben? Yeah, I, it's just what off a duck's back on me. I didn't really pay attention to any of them. I watched all the Games Workshop Um Andy and Pete videos, which were just the best. Um, just you know, the seminars with those guys. Um, that was where I got all my info from. Obviously, the the community site, the releases, and all that sort of thing was cool. So when it came to people actually leaking stuff on the internet, um, I kind of wasn't that interested. I'd I'd seen all the the cool and relevant stuff from Games Workshop presented in the best way, and then the the rest that was kind of. Is almost inside football 40k players who know about 40k talking about the things that people who know about it would be bothered about it just didn 't apply to me, so I, um, I kind of passed me by on that
0: yeah I, I think i'm in, um, inclined to agree the job that they 're doing with revealing information these days is you know i don 't really go on i don 't go on rumor science anymore you know because it 's all coming from it 's all coming from the company itself
1: yeah, I think the rumor sites have changed a little what 's still cool about them? Is that when the rumours, which are actually Games Workshop releases, do get put out, it's still nice to see people talking about them and being excited about them. I think that's how the the, the rumours sites have changed a little.
0: Yeah, and do you know that's that's for a good thing because it's it's focused more on positivity, or you know, or, or maybe even negative reactions. But it's it's getting the community engaging, so they're more more discussion forums rather than information hubs. Yeah, that's
1: it.
2: And I think the fact that they're discussing a fact rather than a rumor that then turns into a bit of a tailspin because everyone's up in uproar about something that's probably not even true.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think I think we've seen a lot of a lot of people jumping to conclusions as as the points and stuff have started to come out over the, over the past twenty four hours. Um, people are suddenly uh, jumping to conclusions and, and making snap judgments. But I think. You've got to you've got to make a decision with all the information at hand, or at least the majority of it, rather than uh, seeing one page and panicking that your army's gone or something. Keep calm and carry on. That's our <laughs> advice. So uh, Kira Sensei at Kira Sensei Twelve uh, asks: Any plans for apocalypse level games? Things like Strategic Assets and Finest Hour. I think for me, I'll be starting. Sort of a thousand points starting to a thousand points l- learning the game itself before I jump in with things like apocalypse and city fight and, and all that what about yourselves uh, ben
1: i've got i'm just counting now i've got um 21 <laughs> models <laughs> <laughs> We'll we'll start with twenty one models. We'll probably yeah, add it, that's a, add a character. It'd be twenty two models, and we'll take it from there. Okay,
0: that's a fairly uh, <laughs> fairly straightforward answer then for you, isn't it? Really silly question. And Steve, you said it earlier. You you know you're you're looking at you know, doing a variety of smaller games, and you know whilst things like Stompers and Apocalypse they appeal, it's not not necessarily where you're where you're focusing on. Would you say that's right?
2: Yeah, I think for me, what I would like to see is I'd like to play. Would be taking one of the big, you know, sectors uh, tables of Warhammer World, you know, the eight by six one, and actually have a whole bunch of different armies playing. So rather than the usual, you know, track to track tanks all lined up, or, you know, Titans and Knights and every, you know, kind of monoing one type of thing. I think it would be super cool if you had a gene sealer player and a couple of NID players versus uh, some guard and some sisters, you know, just really building a that that big battlefield of combination of things. So it probably wouldn't technically count as an APOC game. But wow, wouldn't it look good and play fun? So I think that's just, that's that would be my goal.
0: Yeah, that sounds something like that's cool. Um Age of Sigma at Warhammer underscore AOS asks, what's going to be the best faction or chapter for a noob? Um to be honest anyone that asks what's going to be the best army i think the best army regardless of whether it's what's the best and most competitive what's the best for newbies pick the models you like pick something that you can get behind in fact maybe not models maybe it's story or maybe it's artwork like we said earlier pick something that you like that you can get behind and then no matter whether it's good on table uh, or or whether it's uh, difficult to learn you'll enjoy learning it or you'll enjoy losing because because it's, it's what you love what are your thoughts on that steve
2: yeah, I mean that's what I do. I mean, what what's an exciting-looking model? What's got a great story? What, what? How does that you know, Gene stealers cult you know appear and disappear? They, they, they lightning strike or, for me, I I've, I've actually got some new models in the box. And the plan would be is that I'd want to play not just the the, the the cultist, but that first wave. So that first wave would be the lictors and it would be the Gene stealers in bulk coming on. So for me. Uh, That's—I don't think that's a list. I don't think I don't know. You know, if we've got allies or anything like that yet. But I know the people I play with. I just say it's this power level. Are we cool with that? So I think for me, what, what's exciting because you're gonna have to sit down, and build, and paint these things. So you know, and you're to gonna, you're gonna need to read the rules on them. So you've got to be passionate about it. Uh, I think if you're looking for you know the uber competitive stuff, then you, you probably need to wait because we don't know yet. Nobody knows.
1: Ben, what about yourself? Um, I know John, who's asked this, and he doesn't want to hear any of that, I'm afraid, guys. Um, Space Marines are the best, John. Buy some Space (laughs) (laughs) Marines. There we go.
0: You heard it here first. Um, And then Dan asks a practical question, not necessarily about 40K, but about the podcast itself. How how often do we plan on releasing an episode? Uh, How long is it going to be? And how long will each episode going to be? Well, uh, we're looking to kick out an episode every uh, two weeks or so and uh we'll try and keep them under an hour um and uh yeah hopefully uh, we'll do bite-sized regular chunks rather than uh, massive long three-hour monstrosities that are (laughs) are difficult to listen to in one go uh and then we've got another one about exploring that we said we were looking forward to explore the narrative side of 40k and and how are we going to do that um from another uh twitter follower uh liam jordan well i think we're going to do all sorts of things with the narrative side of 40k Uh, yes uh, Steve will no doubt be writing his own stories and everything like he does with his Age of Sigmar armies, but we'll also be doing some some episodes on creating a narrative um, army or background and and we'll just be, in general, sharing our kind of our love of the of the law and the, the, the rich background that 40K has.
1: Would you guys say that's fair? Sounds good to me.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've got... Me um, and my son are a bit busy building a planet right now, which we're going to set everything in, and I'll show that another time. But yeah, we're just... That planet lives within you know, one of the sectors, which is part of the whole thing. So, yeah, we and as that story advances, then it probably advances onto our planet too. So, yeah, I think we looking forward to it, really looking forward to that.
0: Another question from John. Uh, Do we think mechanised armies, in brackets tanks, just in case we didn't know, um, will be strong? Or will it, more infantry-strong armies be a better option? Well, I think at this early stage, it's probably... Uh, too early to tell, um, but also it's a new addition so I think there'll be there'll be areas of strength in each, and it will depend on which which race you're playing and everything like that. But hopefully, uh, each army, each each race will have a strong ways of playing rather than just one good way.
2: I think for me, my experience is that armor was tricky to play before, and that if somebody brought the right tools, they could one shot it, or they had a good they had a reasonable twenty percent chance of one shotting it and I think that's now changed. Um so I I think that's encouraging. Uh that that stops that arms war of you're bring in a tank, I'm gonna bring a D weapon kind of thing. So I think I think for me that just encourages the fact that that mixed force, that mixed armour, dreads or robots, infantry, flyers that would be something we'd see more on the table it would be cool
0: and next from plague monk campbell uh are we going to be doing a core rules overview episode uh yes we're not going to be reading the rule book um page by page but um we certainly hopefully uh talk about some of the the core things like you say Forge army and command points because some people some people will just want to listen to that rather than the it themselves um and also we'll cover some of the the, the main changes and, and the key changes in, in the rule book uh, what point systems are we going to be using? Ando, like yourself, I quite like the power level system. It's um, it looks like a really easy way of just jumping in with a with a game. Um, if you're going to go to a tournament, I think obviously the the more uh, the more detailed points allow you to do things with a bit more granularity and a bit more fairness. But for club or casual gaming, I think uh, power level looks good
1: for me. Do you want to just talk a bit more on that, Dan? Because this is one of the things that's really interesting to me, but I've not actually read up on yet. Um, and I kind of get the impression it could be interesting to a lot of other people who are wanting to dip the toe in as well. So what's what does he mean by which points levels and what do you mean by these options between the two? Yeah, that's a that's a good
0: shout, Ben, actually. Um, so every data slate's got a a power level as well as a, a match play points value. And essentially, if you look at, say, a space marine tactical squad, you can have a, a sergeant with a different weapon, you can have a, a heavy weapon in there, you can have a special weapon in there. Um, if they're yeah assault marines you could have some with special weapons some with power weapons etc etc um so the the power level system allows you just to have a a core points value for for a squad so if you look at uh chaos space marine havocs let's say there's seven power for five of them um, regardless of what um weapons you give them you just say right that's a seven power uh, and you just add it to your army uh, and then you can have whatever weapons you want and that allows you to organize an even game very quickly so you don't have to worry about what's got what or your army's brought the wrong thing etc you just go right seven points and it goes um whereas the the match play points values themselves are a lot more detailed and they they allow you to add um add in additional models rather than per five uh, they allow you to uh, assign different weapons and each weapon's got a different points value for example if you were to give your Uh, Go back to those Havocs, for example. If you were to give them uh, heavy bolters rather than missile launchers, that will cost the different points. Uh, So I think that that's really aimed at um, the competitive side of the game, you know, the match play, but also the the power level system gives narrative or open play uh, games gamers uh, an option to have a, a kind of quick fire quick fast system to, to get an even uh, matched up uh, army so it wasn't like for example it wasn't like the early days of AOS where it was there are no points just treat yourselves and uh, try and get it
1: right yeah it sounds really cool I really I'm looking forward to seeing um kind of the difference between you know if you go to a proper full-on match play event and they used the detailed points where intricate army list design of do I take one extra point on this unit, a couple of points here whatever um and then at the next event, someone says, right, well, well, we'll still play, you know, big tournament, competitive games, but we're just going to use the more basic system. Um, it'd be interesting to see if the same armies are powerful in both systems.
0: Yeah, I think I think as long as people... So power level is probably open to some abuse depending on the environment you're in. Uh, I think if you're playing down the local club and you all take, you know, say you both take a Chaos... Uh, or rather, they're now Heretic Astartes. Both take a Heretic Astartes army with loads of Havocs in. Uh, you know, there's probably there's probably a weapon in there that's that's more expensive than the other. And it's, that's probably more efficient. And if, if your opponent is only going to take the top most efficient ones, and you've only taken you know something that's a bit fluffy, but but not too not too hot, then yeah, the, the game is going to be slightly less balanced. But at least you are in the same ballpark. Sure. I think for
2: me, I think the thing for me is that if you are playing a Match play where you're using the match play missions and it's about having an even fight because the distribution of the objectives are even, turns are even, everything else is even, it comes down, then absolutely having that granular level to say, well, you know, you've got two rocket launchers because I can have three heavy bolters. When you play narrative, and there are narrative missions which I've not read, but there's a set of narrative missions if the missions aren't balanced and that one's a defender, one's the attacker, one's ambushed, one isn't, then where does that really matter? Because we're going to just play the game and see what happens. And I think that's that's the exciting thing for me for, for, for power level. It's, it's, it's a way of maybe disarming the, the, the arms race, disarming the, the need to be I mean, to be honest, I'll, I'll, you know, I will make my models how I want to make them. I will arm them with things that seem to do okay in the game, but you know, I won't be testing them for weeks beforehand. It will be. well, I'd have that over that. That's good. That. Do I like look at the weapon? Yes, I do. Right, it's on. So, um, but yeah, no, I think I think it's really interesting way of of allowing two different people, especially I think you know people coming new to the game. Because, you know, when you look at it and you can just say, I like those models, they are six power, brilliant, rather than, well, what's the difference between a plasma and a melter gun? Ben, do you know?
1: No idea. <laughs> so,
2: you know, it just says you can have one if you, if you played your six power. So I think for me, it's a great way of just being able to just get your dice, get your models, get your terrain, go and play.
0: I feel like this is the point where I should jump in and explain the difference, but I'm not sure we've got time. <laughs> so, uh, maybe that's an episode in Excel explaining the difference between plasma and uh, melt Weaponry. Uh, maybe I'll do that one on my own. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. the Boring weapons podcast.
2: You, you get <laughs> hot on your own. Dan. Oh, oh, excellent oh joke. Excellent nice. Joke. Very good.
0: Oh, this is going to be a good podcast with jokes <laughs> like that. Um so Alex Niger asks a very, very interesting question. What do we feel about hope and progress returning as themes in 40k? I don't think
2: there's a lot of choice, really. Is there? Well,
0: it? the uh the universe has been torn asunder by a uh huge, massive warp rift. So it's looking pretty hopeless at times, but yeah, it's uh it's 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 at the brink, it's at the precipice of a of a new age. So whether there's much hope, I'm not sure, but certainly there's been a lot of progress and there's, we'll, I think we've, we've kind of covered a lot of that of, you know, we're looking forward to seeing how the narrative uh, develops and progresses there.
2: Is he maybe touching on the fact that we're seeing the Primarchs come back and that maybe we could have a slightly different um, power, a slightly different back change in how, how the, the rule of the Emperor is, is portrayed and that it might not be quite so sort of darkened and may, and maybe quite so vacant because he he is
0: sort of... I'm I'm not so sure. I think this is forty K. This is grim dark. This it's gonna go terribly, terribly, terribly wrong. <laughs> uh, yes yes a Primarch has come back, but you know, when the next Primarch returns and which side he's on, we'll see uh we'll see how much hope and progress there is when uh when Mortarid starts uh Yeah.
2: Yeah, I've forgotten about Morterium.
0: I think I think for every uh, for every step forward, it's going to go cataclysmically backward for the Imperium at some point. So, uh, as always, there is only war. Will we be attending forty k events? And will Ben start to collate forty k rankings? Uh, yeah, I hope hopefully uh, I'll start going to a few more forty k events. But uh, rankings, Ben, is that something you'd uh, like to comment on?
1: Um, I will be wholeheartedly backing the um, Frontline Gaming guys. Um, ITC, it's the way to go. I think on this.
0: So that, that about wraps it up. As, as I said, um, this is a slightly longer episode. It's the first one, but we will be trying to keep them under an hour uh, or, or significantly less uh, in most cases and, and sticking to one topic and and sharing our, our love and enthusiasm of, of the uh, of the game. So all that remains is for us to do Twitter hashtags where you can find us on the, uh, the wonderful world of the internet. And uh, Ben, do you want to go first?
1: Yeah, sure. You can find me at baddice.co.uk. I do a daily Age of Sigmar podcast over there. And we also meet once a month with myself and my two co-hosts to talk all things Age of Sigmar. But um, the best place to get me is on Twitter. That's at baddice underscore podcast. And what about yourself, Steve?
2: Um, You can find all my hobby progress um, and ramblings on on Twitter. I'm at Steve fantastic and i
0: am at danger mouse 425 on twitter and you can also uh, find me and a couple of the age sigma guys at tales of uk if you want to check that out as well so thank you very much for joining us um we hope you've enjoyed it and we look forward to recording uh, another episode soon so we'll leave you with the thought of the day
1: thought of the day,
2: the Emperor will not judge you by your
0: medals and diplomas, he will judge you by
1: your scars.